Hey guys, I know, I'm sorry about the drop of quality, it just, I'm recording this on April 10th in my car, sitting in traffic, I needed to get this episode up, it's not finished, (laughs) but I needed to get the episode up, I will be releasing the second half, the feature presentation, the three countries discussion, I will be uploading that a little bit later as its own episode kind of at on its own track but for right now I just needed to get the rest of this show up this episode has been an absolute bear to try to edit and my life has just been very very hectic but I wanted to get this up because I know it's been like two weeks now and I've been working on it we ended up recording for two and a half hours for this one episode which if you're not aware, equates to almost like six hours worth of editing. Not only that, but editing on this episode was even more than usual because of just how I had to edit it because of one of the mics. But in any case, guys, I hope you enjoyed the news stories from two weeks ago. Sorry. (laughs) But the three countries will be up a little bit later this week as its own track, and I'll let everyone know when that goes up as well. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. This episode of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast is brought to you by Palms and Parks. They are high-quality t-shirts and tank tops that have cool, fun designs that help show off your love for Disney in a unique and smart way. Visit them at palmsandparks.com and check out what their store has to offer. There's something there for everyone. Computer, what are you tracking? Disney Parks Podcast. Warning. Meteor shower in range. Just a little one. Resort loop. zippity doo pod. The disc unload. Time to get serious. Locking autopilot on homing signal. Now! I'm tracking a big show on the scope. Could be ours. Computer, full stop. Identify. Unofficial Universal Podcast. Definitely not our show. Go, go, go! Another good guy coming up. Computer, slow, and identify. Disney Magic Hour. Still not our show, but at least this one's the right brand. Asteroid Impact in 60 seconds. We can't stop now. Keep going. Keep going. Warning, Meteor Impact. Abort mission. Abort. Abort. Nocturnal Disney. Forget it. Get them out now. And into the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Thank you for joining us for episode number 35 of the Nocturnal Disney Podcast. My name is Bryce, and this is Chris. Sorry, man. What's up, everybody? We appreciate you listening. If you would be so kind as to like, favorite, and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook. Just search the Nocturnal Disney Podcast and join our little group. You can email me at my email, which is bryce at nocturnaldisneypodcast.com. That's B-R-I-C-E at nocturnaldisneypodcast.com. You can say something quick to me on Twitter at Disney Nocturnal. You can also find me on Instagram at the Nocturnal Disney Podcast, all separated by underscores. Where can people find you, Chris? You can catch me on Instagram at Chris Ruiz co-host, and you know we can just talk Disney, I guess. You can set up a message and complain about my pictures or something. I don't know. <laughs> Only uh, place to reach me, people. There you go. There you go. 
Conviction, man, conviction. <laughs> we do have a guest on the show this week. Her name is Jamie. You've heard her before. Say hi there. Hello, people of the world. Nice. <laughs> She's greeting the world, Bryce. Exactly. And it, and it fits well it. with our theme tonight. Oh, touche, touche. Didn't even think about that, but you are correct. We have a lot to talk about tonight before we even get to that, though. And we'll tell you what that is in a second. But we're going to be talking about the Endgame posters that came out. We're going to talk about a project that's coming to Disney Plus that, honestly, I was surprised about. We're going to talk about Miss Angelina Jolie. We're going to talk about Dinosaur. We're going to talk about the NBA experience, because that's actually opening up very, very soon. Me and Jamie got to check out Dumbo, and we're going to be giving you a non-spoilers review of that. And to round out the show tonight, we are going on tour around the world, actually. Me, Chris, and Jamie are going to knock out one country from the World Showcase and replace it with three new ones. But enough about that for right now. Let's just jump into it. Let's go. All right, guys, let's take a look at these posters. Marvel dropped a number of posters. Just number is an understatement. There's 32 of these freaking things. Yeah. That's a lot of posters. It is. Hmm. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed what they were doing here, but the heroes that didn't get dusted are all in color, and the ones that ended up dying in Endgame are in black and white, right? Yeah. So what we have here is 32 floating heads on a black background, and all of them say Avenge the Fallen, which is pretty cool. Now, these posters actually answer a few questions that we've had going into Endgame. Number one, Pepper Potts didn't end up getting dusted. Which is fantastic because we didn't see her in Infinity War hardly at all. And the last we saw of her, they were her and Tony were kind of on rocky ground, maybe not doing the best, right? And then, well, she just doesn't show up for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. Some people were saying like, oh, the reason Tony is going to be so driven in the next movie is because he comes back and he finds out that Pepper got dusted and he finds out that she was pregnant with his kid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, clearly that's not a thing anymore, right? No. Right. Besides, how old is Iron Man? I don't think he can do that. Oh, you can do it up (laughs) into your 70s, man. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) It is Robert Downey Jr. anyway. That's true. Robert Downey Jr. can do anything. He can. (laughs) I don't know, man. These posters, like, I get the idea behind them. Um, They're kind of eh to me. Oh, no, The ones in black- are cool because, uh-huh. you know, the way it looks, I understand what they're doing. You know, the the ones that are alive or, you know, have color, the ones aren't or dusted, I get that. But they do nothing for me. No. I agree. Nothing for me. And I mean, the thing is, with so many of them, mm-hmm. like, it's Marvel expecting me to go out and buy 32 I posters? I think you're just, these are for the <laughs> hardcore Marvelite, not not even Marvel fans. This is like hardcore fans of the movies. You know what I'm saying? But still, man, 32 posters, that's a lot. Why don't you know. they just collage it? 
Well, you know what's going to be interesting is like if they're full size posters, but sometimes they'll do those small ones that are yeah. just like collectibles that like if you go over time or you can just pick them up at different theaters. Like it's going to be yeah. interesting to see how they do it. And it's more of just something that, you know, you can throw in like a booklet sort of thing, you know, just that could be, be like, kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, we don't know. what. Do you know the size of the posters? Are these going to be legit size or anything? You know, I don't know whether whether they are or not, but. I do like your theory of like the mini posters being given out at the theaters. Mm-hmm. I think that would be kind of cool. Like I went to go see Batman versus Superman. They gave out these little cards yeah. with just the big old BVS symbol on it, which, uh, you know. That's kind of cool. It, it's awesome. Like yeah. it's, I still have yeah. it. Like it's it's still like in my room and, you know, it's a it's little a collector's idea. piece. You know what I'm saying? So I like right. it. What do you think of these posters, Jamie? I think they should be a collage. <laughs> <laughs> like one big poster? Yeah. just That makes sense, too. Just make it all, because all of them are interconnected, and it makes more sense to see it together than separate, in my opinion. You're absolutely right. I think the only reason that they did do it in separate pieces was because, like, it's easy marketing. Like, boom, we're dropping 32 new pieces of marketing. Yeah. With very little to do. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. It's literally a text layer and a black and white layer, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And a head. Done. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, eh. Yeah. Well, they didn't put a lot of a lot of effort into this. Mm-hmm. They didn't, but just what they are telling us with this is pretty cool. Yeah, like, I mean. Is Happy Hogan going to have a huge role in Endgame? Of like, course it, he does. You mean He's Happy Hogan. <laughs> Bryce. Well, I do think it's interesting because- no one really mentioned this, but I mean, yeah, it's going to be sad for Pepper because Tony's gone, but look at it from Happy Hogan's perspective. Not only did he lose Tony Stark, but he also lost Peter Parker mm-hmm. because he has no idea where those two people are. He doesn't know that Peter got dusted. And this is where maybe he comforts Aunt May. <laughs> maybe. <Yeah>. Maybe. <laughs> That's how he gets in there. Yeah. Good for him, man. <laughs> Take advantage of the times, you know. It, it's the mustache. The mustache is killer. It is. It is. Women like it. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Where's yours, Bryce? It's coming in, man. <laughs> I shaved last night. Leave me alone. <laughs> the only other two posters that really get me excited on the living side are Wong and Valkyrie. Because Valkyrie wasn't even mentioned in Endgame at all. Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't even exist. Yeah. And then Wong was in Endgame, but he was like, bye, and just left. Yeah. <laughs> and then we don't see him again. Yeah. I'm here. Goodbye. Exactly. Well, I like the idea because, I mean, it, it, you can see where the Rooster Brothers really had to, like, make a lot of good decisions. But we can see how one movie, they got rid of someone, some members, which makes now more room for people who we didn't get a lot of screen time to come in. And really live it up. And what's really cool about this is that some of these characters might get a chance to shine and in their standalone movies might show to their directors like, hey, I might need to pay more attention to this guy come the standalones. Maybe I can use them a little bit more. You know what I'm saying? That's actually a really good point. That's one I didn't think about. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. The other thing is the opposite side of these posters. We've been talking about the living. Let's talk about the dead. We know who died. We know who got dusted. And that is all of these posters, except for two of them, right? 
And those two are Gamora and Loki. Mm-hmm. Right. We all expect these characters to be being brought back. Yeah. Now, we were hoping that Gamora and Loki were not going to be brought back, that they were permanent deaths because, you know, they weren't killed in the snap. Yeah. They were killed beforehand. Yeah. I just want to see some consequences. Me too. And the thing is, is that I know everyone's fighting over, you know, an Iron Man death or an, a Captain America death. And the thing is, is like, I think we all like these characters, you know, like. Oh, my, sure. You know, and that's the thing. An Iron Man death and a Captain America death, while the scene might move me, is it, there's no surprise there. You know what I'm saying? Because we're talking about it so much. So I would like there to be some negative consequences to these freaking heroes. You know what I'm saying? Me too. Me too a lot. You don't, you don't seem to agree. (laughs) No, I agree. I think it's, it makes it, um, not so, uh, predictable is what the word I'm looking for. Cause you're just like, all right, of course the hero is not going to die. Or of course this main character, there's never going to be any consequences to their actions because they're the main untouchable character exactly and that's frustrating especially when you're dealing with like world ending cataclysmic events and nothing ever happens to him Mm -hmm. the only person who's died and stayed dead is quicksilver (laughs) right and you forgot he was in the mcu didn't you because he needed to go (laughs) (laughs) josh whedon was like i can't i can't abide by this accent no No. My fear is that when the Avengers go back to undo the snap, however they do it, whether it's time travel or whether they go back and prevent Thanos from getting Infinity Stones or however they do it, my fear is that Endgame is going to completely negate everything about Infinity War. And if that's the case, gotta be honest, gonna be a little upset. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a Batman. It's probably going to be just one thing. One of the one of the mains is going to go. Whether it's Thor, Iron Man, Captain America, I feel like they're one of them is going to go. But that's it. And I feel like that's going to be the only consequence coming out of this, which I'm kind of not thrilled about either. You know, I feel like there should be more. But you know, that's just me. I agree with you. I do think that there should be more. However. If this is what you're going to give me, fine. Mm. I can abide by that, but there needs to be consequence, especially for a movie that was so hyped up as Infinity War, right? Mm. I mean, think back a year. You couldn't escape Infinity War. Like, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And everybody after Infinity War was like, oh my God, I love Thanos. Thanos actually did his job. He got, He went out, tried to do X, and he completed it. Yeah. Cool. Mm. And now if Endgame comes out and completely negates it, you remember the episode of Batman the Animated Series? I think the episode is called Perchance to Dream. The episode starts off with Gordon oh, yeah. bum-rushing the Batcave and just blowing people away. Massive. Batgirl massive dies episode. at the head. Exactly. Awesome. Batgirl dies at the hands of the Scarecrow. Spoilers, Bryce. <laughs> Spoilers, Bryce. It is. It's a show from the nineties. I yeah. don't care. <laughs> a lot of people die and get destroyed, and yes. their life gets messed up. 
And then in the, and you're like, oh my God, what is happening? Like, I remember watching this episode as a kid. I'm like, what is happening in this show right now? Mm -hmm. Then in the final seconds, Bruce Wayne wakes up. It's like, come on, man. Mm. It was all a dream. None of it mattered. Yeah, but that's a cartoon. And that's the thing. But what I'm saying is I don't want them to do that to Endgame. Right, right. I get what you're saying. But that's probably what's going to happen. I I feel like, too, though, they got their... um, They they did the unpredictability by even having him, by a click of his fingers, destroy so many different people that... Superheroes that were like, there's no way these people would ever not be a reality. So even if they do bring him back, they were able to do something that you're saying they couldn't do. Right. Exactly. So, consequences, man. That's all I want is consequences. In any case. We're teaching kids nowadays you can die and come back in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Billy, don't jump off the roof. You can't fly. Like, it's fine. Just, you know, get the stones back and I'll come right back. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the Dragon Balls. (laughs) 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 All right, man. So, Throughout the months, man, leading up to Disney Plus, we have been hearing a lot of stuff that did. Oh, this is coming to Disney Plus. This is coming to Disney Plus. Our entire back catalog of classic cartoons coming to Disney Plus. On a side note, I I do genuinely hope that means all of like the '90s cartoons, like Disney Afternoon, because mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck, baby, I'll get the full series now. I cannot wait for that. That's very exciting <laughs> to me. <laughs> But in any case, we are not here to talk about Darkwing Duck. We are here to talk about those cuddly little teddy bears of doom, the <laughs> Ewoks. Yeah. There is an Ewoks project rumored to be coming to Disney+. Plus. Right. That's cr- Why? I don't know. It's it's part it's it's you want let, let me tell you my history with these Ewoks. Okay. It is literally the reason why the Return of the Jedi uh-huh. isn't my number one. It's because of the Ewoks. And here's the thing: I hear that all the time. I hear that the Ewoks are only less hated mm-hmm. than the Porgs. Like the Porgs beat out the Ewoks. But no, because the but... Porgs were just there, and they were kind of just like annoying, like in the way. But right. they didn't they didn't stop the fate of anything. These Ewoks destroyed an empire. The best troops that the that Palpatine had was wiped out by cuddly little teddy bears with spears. <laughs> but the That's irony fair. Is great. You know, like lasers that bounced off of you know these ATATs and the and these walkers get destroyed by pieces of wood. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's a little bit of the kiddier aspects that I don't like about the old Star Wars movies. You know what I'm saying? No, I hear you. I hear you. And like the the Ewoks never bothered me a whole heck of a lot. They were decidedly out of place. Like I was like, hmm, mm-hmm. why is this why are these here? Like mm-hmm. it never made sense to me. I will say, I did watch a podcast about the Ewoks and they were talking about just how vicious these little monsters are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh man. Well, that's really cool. I like that. And like <laughs> They had the potential to be really cool, but it was never displayed on screen. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's really where the Ewoks Well, that's failed. the thing with the Star Wars community. You'll have one half that'll defend and be like, these things are vicious and metal. They play with the, you know, the helmets of their <laughs> fallen victims. And you're like, yeah, but how did they get the fallen victims in the first place? Like, you should be able to kick this teddy bear over and, and destroy it. You know, that's you got true. these troops walking around in armor getting hit with bows and arrows that should not be piercing their armor. Any case, you can tell I'm getting upset about it. <laughs> so passionate about the Ewoks. It's, it, if they're doing a show about, did they say if this is live action or cartoon? Uh, I believe it is a show, like a live action show. Now, I could be wrong about that, but... You know, of of a setting set in their world where we can get immersed in their history and maybe somehow convince me of this past defeat at the end, you know, that they were able to destroy the Empire. Okay, but I am not looking forward to this show at all. You know what I'm saying? It's not up there you know, with the Mandalorian or anything. I kind of even wonder why it's being made, but... I don't know why it's being made, but it keeps being made because... It sounds to me like it would be better as, like, a kid's show. Well, speaking of which, in the 1980s, there was a show called Star Wars Ewoks, and it follows the Ewoks. It's exactly what you were... It's exactly what you're describing. Mm -hmm. So why is this? Why does this subject keep getting done? It's weird to me. I think it's just. I think it's just Disney trying to capitalize on all the aspects of Star Wars. I mean, regardless of whether or not we like it, it's still canon. And George Lucas has gone on record and said he didn't make these movies for adults. He made these for kids. So mm-hmm. that's true. That's why we yeah. have teddy bears murdering the five hundred first. You know, like destroying these the the hardcore troops and. In a storybook, you know, it's you got to go with it, you know. So, like, if you're Disney, it kind of works. You got a Mandalorian and you got that Rogue One spinoff that are going to be, you can tell, much more for older audiences. Right. And then now you need a show that still is Star Wars brand, but you can tie kids into it, you know. It, to me, it from a business standpoint, it's genius. It's and, smart. And that's always what Disney's been the best at is just drawing people in when they're kids and then uh, that's what Disney's made on <laughs> exactly but then they keep yeah. giving you stuff that you can climb to so like you know as a kid you watched Aladdin Lion King and stuff like that mm-hmm. and then you went into something more a little more grown up like Gargoyles or something like that then you had some of your like teen dramas that you had and now by that this time you're 20 and you're nostalgic for the cartoons again so you're solid yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of genius oh it's incredible All right, guys, let's stay in the Star Wars universe, but also dabble in the Marvel universe a little bit. One of my favorite characters in the MCU, probably my favorite character in the MCU, is Rocket Raccoon. Oh, he's great. He is awesome. I love Rocket. And I feel like a lot of people forget that he is like half cyborg. (laughs) Like He's got a Mm -hmm. lot of enhancements, right? And judging by your confused look, I feel like you forgot it too, Chris. Yeah, for a second. (laughs) For a second. Well, and part of that is Disney's fault because they've never really gone into why, like what was done to him. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? The rumor is right now, and I want to say this is a rumor, that Mr. Luke Skywalker himself apparently loves to abuse little animals because Mark Hamill is supposedly going to be the guy who makes Rocket Raccoon what Rocket Raccoon is. Hmm. 
I think that's very interesting. I'm very happy to see Mark Hamill. I like Mark Hamill a lot. I yeah. think he's a great actor. I love mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, yeah. And so to have him have such an integral part in the in the universe, mm-hmm. well, that's very exciting, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that. He's a, he's a comic book nerd at heart, you know? Yes. He, he really is, and he's he loves animation. He's a big kid. Like, he really is an older kid. And... uh I mean, that's fantastic. If they're going to use them in the movies and kind of have a backstory, I mean, it would be cool to kind of explore that. You know, we had Peter Quill's story, you know. Twice. Yeah, twice. <laughs> and the thing is, is like, if we had to look on an emotional spectrum, like which of the characters, like, hey, which one would we go to next? Gamora kind of, was her story's being told throughout Endgame. And Infinity War. Yeah, and Infinity War. And so you kind of got to be like, okay, who's next then? After that, Rocket is 100% the next one up story that you can be like, I would like to see his backstory, you know? Easily. They were laying the groundwork for that in volume two. Like, mm-hmm. just with him talking to Yandu, that was some of the most interesting dialogue in that entire movie was when Rocket was in the cell And they Yondu. also kind of hint mm-hmm. at it at number one when they're hosing them down and you yeah. see Rocket wet, you know, and he has his, his shirt off and uh, Peter kind of yeah. looks at him and is just like, what the heck? So, like, the groundwork has been laid. It'd be cool to kind of see a movie where we kind of get to visit his background or at least touch on it a little bit more, you know? And mm-hmm. it is heartbreaking when he's drunk and he's like, I didn't ask to be made. And you're like, oh. Little dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you fell for him. Exactly you do. And that is exactly what you want. You want a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. And if that's going to be kind of like your anchor and your driving force in a movie, solid. Sure. I think they should do Groot. <laughs> well, Groot would just be far <laughs> too tragic. People would not be able to leave that theater without bawling their eyes out. I uh, know. <laughs> <laughs> So right now, me and Jamie are sitting in the studio, and we have just seen the 2019 version of Dumbo. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Dumbo was written by Aaron Kruger and directed by Tim Burton. It stars Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Ava Green, Nico Parker, and Finley Hobbins. So this movie came out, and when I heard about it, I wasn't super excited You know what I'm saying? Like, I like Dumbo enough. It was never, like, the upper echelon for me of, like, Disney movies. I got to see this, you know? Mm -hmm. I would watch it when I was a kid. I do remember watching Dumbo because I remember the pink elephants on parade. (laughs) It literally gave me nightmares. Oh, yeah. I'm sure many kids. Oh, yeah. So tell me, Jamie, like, what were your thoughts? Like, what did you enjoy about the movie? Gotta start with that adorable, adorable little elephant. I mean, the cuteness factor was a thousand. Dumbo was always a really cute Disney character just in general, like the the animated one, the cartoon animated Dumbo. This one is just as cute, if not even better. Oh my gosh. It was almost distracting how cute he was. Every time I've talked to somebody about this movie since seeing it, the way I've described it was devastatingly cute. Mm Mm-hmm. Because just it is so adorable. You're just like, oh, oh, why don't I have you? Like you just, (laughs) you want to hug Dumbo. Like he is, it's incredible because just like 
the original movie, mm-hmm. Dumbo doesn't speak at all. At all. Doesn't say a word. But he's so dang expressive with those eyes. Those eyes draw you in, and then they kill you. Yeah. And they make that stupid elephant cry a number of times, and it is heartbreaking. It really is. Oh, man. And it, I like that they, like you said, he didn't talk, but I almost forgot that because he was just such a big persona. Just his, his character and how cute he was and the different uh, attitudes. Like maybe it was just him nodding his head or he was walking in a certain way. He was a big character without having to say anything. His personality was huge. Like, I... I w- <laughs> it's an elephant, big. Ah, I see. Got it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't remember another Disney character where I was like, oh, you said nothing and you were so excellent. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. Now, the way this movie breaks down, like, this movie has a lot more story than the original animated movie. Oh, yeah. Right? It starts off very similar, very similar. They're in Sarasota, Florida, and it's in 1919. They're in a big steam train, and the steam train was really cool because in the animated movie, Casey Jr. had a face on him. Like, he had eyes, and he smiled and stuff, and I was like, clearly... They're not going to do that in the live action movie, but I am curious to see what they do with it because it's Tim Burton, you mm-hmm. know? And they just, they alluded to a face. Like, if Did you're. They? Yes, because you can see where, like, the grill of the train could have been a smile. There were two other circles on there, which I don't know what they were for, mm-hmm. but they were clearly supposed to be the eyes. Like, I thought that was just a really cool nod. And they did that a couple times throughout the movie, and I really liked it. Where right. they nodded back to the original one without being super ham-fisted with the reference. Right. You know? I really like that. And you really have to watch this movie closely because you you and I were talking about this over dinner. And I missed a few things in that movie. And I was right, ne- I was right next to you and I still managed to miss some of these details. They were quick apparently. So that's kind of why I missed them. But... There, it's kind of cool, like you said, you can flash back in your mind to be like, oh, wow, I'm I'm that little kid in my bedroom watching Dumbo again, but now you're 30 years old watching it in a theater. Exactly, exactly. And what was interesting is the these scenes that harken back to the original one were done very tastefully. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Again. Not ham-fisted in there. One of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is the scene of the storks. In the original movie, Mrs. Jumbo says, oh, I'm having a baby soon. Mm -hmm. And then the stork literally flies down from heaven with a baby elephant that's all swaddled up, gives it to Mrs. Jumbo, and that's it. They don't do that in this movie, but they call back to it. And that was really cool, and I liked it. But that being said, it does kind of like throw off the movie a little bit like mm-hmm. progression stops okay. and now all of a sudden eh, we're in the scene and they do that like three or four times throughout the movie and it almost feels like the movie stumbles a little bit but I was happy that they were in there so it was kind of like a catch-22 you know what I'm saying right. because the way they put it in was clever yeah was there anything in there that you really missed from the original movie 
Yeah, I really did miss the way that the Pink Elephants on Parade was presented the first time. Right. In the original. The way they do it in this, I got to give it to them, is pretty cool. Yeah. And is. the music is good. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's to be quite honest with you, just because of Dumbo's reaction. Oh, man. It's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Let's talk about that for a minute. Have at it. That was just, as I mentioned, this movie just is the epitome of cuteness. And then in that scene, watching Dumbo's little reaction as he's nodding his head to the music and it's all of it's in his head. But it was just so sick and cute. Again, devastatingly cute. And what was cool is like the movie started off really cute and then it just kept building and building and building and building and building <laughs> exactly You're like oh stop being this good i i hate it <laughs> <laughs> exactly my heart can't handle this yeah you still you you would stay attached to the character dumbo obviously but they did a good job with that that there's not one moment where i felt disconnected from him and you know why because whatever team they used to make captain marvel was not the team they used to make dumbo Mm-hmm. Because while Captain Marvel looked like she was going in and out of video games at points, Dumbo always looked like he was right there. Exactly. Nothing in this movie looked fake. Right. And I was so happy about that because CGI, when it's done poorly, can just rip you right out of a movie. Oh, yeah. For sure. Another thing I wanted to bring up and kind of put it in the good area was just every time this elephant took flight, you felt it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you felt like you were witnessing, like, a miracle. Like, it it gave me chills a few times. I was like, yes! Like, I was excited. Like, I was pumped, you know? Right. You're like, do I believe in you? I do believe in you. I will believe a Dumbo can fly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about you? Like, what else did you like about the movie, Jamie? I liked, um, I did, I did like the other characters also, getting away from how much we love Dumbo. For a minute, uh, thinking about the children, which you see them in the trailer, and their attachment to Dumbo, as well as the uh, humanitarian side of them. Uh, they were very much like little mini adults, especially the daughter. She got into science, and as her character developed, she got to know her more and their story as a family. Some things happened in their family that made things challenging in their lives, but the entire movie itself is very uh i would say positive it's a upbuilding movie that you'll leave there feeling feeling happy and um feeling like like you said you know you can believe we believe that dumbo can fly and you feel that happiness while he's soaring and your spirit soars with him oh sure absolutely it does see you brought up the kids and you brought up the other characters i like the other characters in the movie. I thought Colin Farrell did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I thought he did a really good job, actually. I, I really did enjoy him. Danny DeVito, he was a cartoon character. Mm-hmm. He was fun to watch. He was funny. But he was a cartoon character. Same thing with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton was at, like, 19. Like, he was really turned on on this movie. He, like, it was a lot. Right. I can forgive all that. I like that. They're interested. They're in the movie. The one thing that I I could not forgive, it's a child actor, so it's like, you know, you can't kill him. (laughs) But Nico Parker, the daughter, Mm -hmm. for the love, emote. 
emote, act. It was like we were watching a movie where Data possessed a female child. I still believe that that was her character and she was just doing her character. Because like I said, I think she was a mini adult, but a very boring adult. She had the same exact look on her face that she did when Dumbo flew. Mm-hmm. When she was in life-threatening danger. <laughs> right. right. When she was happy. Mm-hmm. When she was excited. Like, change your face. And like, <laughs> looking at the trailers, I was like, I'm going to have a problem with you. Because everything we were seeing from her same kind of blank state it was like she was trying to be a mannequin or something like i don't i don't know how to really describe it because there was just no change like there was no expression right give me something you're an actor act Mm -hmm. act you are looking at something truly incredible right we would expect you to express it now to be fair to nico parker none of the actors in this movie really respond the way that they should to things. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The entire movie, except for one time when Dumbo flew, did the audience have the proper reaction? And I was like, correct. Mm-hmm. But every other time, I got to be honest, it annoyed me a little because I was like, you're witnessing a miracle. You're witnessing something truly incredible. Appreciate it. Sure. Appreciate it. And to that point, some of the other characters, like some of the uh, extras in the movie, Kind of irked me because I felt like they were way overdone. Yeah. Yeah, they had some guy in there that was, quote unquote, a villain type henchman. And he was over the top. That guy. That guy is so evil. (laughs) But for no reason. Exactly. Literally. Like, what's your beef, man? (laughs) He's just like, I have problems with elephants. Well, where did you come from? Right. Where did you come from? Why are you upset at elephants? <laughs> the story that that character goes on, mm-hmm. you're like, you're, you're ridiculous. I don't know why you're in this movie. Yeah. It's like, I know why he's in the movie because he progresses the story, but you are, you are barely alive. You are barely <laughs> a character, you know? Exactly. Now, something I wanted to bring up here at this point, because I wasn't really sure how I was going to like it was how they were going to handle the song Baby Mine. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, I truly detested it. Like, I did not like it at all. I was like, man, they are... The song you didn't like? No, not in the trailer. Okay. I didn't like it in the trailer whatsoever because it just it didn't have the right tone. Mm-hmm. Like, in the trailer, it was very melancholy and just very downtrodden, where in the original, it was really more of like a lullaby almost and... It was supposed to be more comforting to Dumbo than a a sad thing, you know? And then in this one, they went full on, this song is sad, you're going to deal with it, here you go. That was in the trailer. Now in the movie, when it starts, I immediately hated it. Like immediately, from go. I was like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Then as the scene progresses, the reason I hated the scene to begin with leaves is no longer part of it, and then that scene is magical. Mm-hmm. Like, it works so, so well in this movie. Yeah. Like, it worked really well in animation, in, like, the 2D animation. Mm. But just here, being able to, like, it looks real. So you're connecting with Dumbo on a different level. Mm-hmm. 
and you're just like, oh, it just rips your heart out. It was incredible. I mean, the whole scene is probably minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah. And I went from, I hate this, to like, oh, man, I hope I don't cry. You're like, you know what I'm saying? Well, they did a good job then. Exactly. Exactly. What did you think of Baby Mine? I heard the song before I went to see the movie on iTunes, and mm-hmm. I thought it was just such a beautiful song, honestly. So I was excited to hear it, you know, while watching the movie, see what they put, how they put it in there. Sure. And, um, you know, the way they started, I kind of agree with you. As far as when they started it off, it was with somebody playing it around the fire, and I didn't really care about that, I, but I felt it was a good song to play over maybe a, a dramatic scene or a scene where we're uh, being touched by something Dumbo's doing. Right, right. And that's how it ends. Right. That's how that scene ends, and it ends, well, it ends just like it does in the animated movie. Mm-hmm. But the way it started, man, it, it really threw me off. Yeah. And that's really where I feel like this movie is for me. Like, it did a lot that I truly, truly liked. And I'll be honest, I'm going to go see this movie again. Me too. <laughs> Let's go together. Want to do that? Sure. Why not? Okay, to date. Okay. <laughs> but they also did a lot of it that I really didn't like. Mm-hmm. Like the kids and like some of the ancillary characters. I just didn't like them. I didn't think they were well done. Right. Colin Farrell was well done. Danny DeVito was well done. Michael Keaton, as much of a cartoon as he was, I thought he was enjoyable to watch. Oh, yeah. For me, the good outweighs the bad. I was going to say, those don't the negatives don't ruin the movie, in my opinion. Absolutely not. The good outweighs the bad, and if I'm going to star this out, I'd give it a 7. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's not a terrible movie, and a seven's not a bad score right. by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. But what about you, Jamie? Like, what did you think of it? Uh, I was going in my head between a few different, uh, two different numbers, but I keep settling on, because of how I felt leaving it, I'm going to give it an eight. All right. There you go. All right, guys. I gave it a seven. Jamie gave it an eight. What did you give it? Have you seen it? Let us know. Welcome aboard the Walt Disney World Express Monorail. On behalf of the cast of the Walt Disney World Resort, we'd like to welcome you to the Magic Kingdom. So, we're going to talk about Chris's favorite ride and mine, Dinosaur. Oh, you go. Hey, I gave it a fairly good review. You did. You did. Jamie, what do you think of Dinosaur? Do you like Dinosaur? I do like Dinosaur. It's fun, right? I don't like it as much as you do, but I like it. I don't think there's many people who like Dinosaur as much as I do. Yeah, (laughs) it's unhealthy. (laughs) It's really not healthy. What is it, 25 times in a row? Do you like that movie, Bryce, by the way? No. We should do a review on that. We should. And just wonder how the ride works for you, but yet that movie doesn't. (laughs) That's fair. All right. That's fair. Now- People like to jump to conclusions. Yes, they do. Right? With social media, one of the big things that people do now is just read a headline and be like, well, that's the story. Mm -hmm. And then they spread it like wildfire or they react to the headline and not the actual story. Right? This is the only reason I'm bringing this up right now because 
I'm going to tell you right off the bat, this is a non-story. There's really nothing here, except for a schedule change. What the headline said was, Dinosaur closing early at Animal Kingdom. Every, like, I won't say everyone, but there was a lot of people losing their mind. No, no, not dinosaur. How does this guy? How does this make you feel, guys? Are you upset about this? Do you like this? <laughs> oh my God, what's happening? But then, if you go to the article and read it, it paints a perfect picture. Because right now, well, not right now anymore, but before, the way it worked was, dinosaur was closed for one hour during the operating day. Right? Say Animal Kingdom opened up at nine. Dinosaur would open up at 9.30, and then say the park closed at 8, Dinosaur would close at 7.30. Hmm. Easy. Simple. Understandable. Well, what Disney has decided to do instead is just put that whole hour together and put it at the end of the day. If the park closes at 8, Dinosaur closes at 7 now. But in the morning, instead of opening up at 9.30, it opens up with the park. So it is still open for the literally exact same amount of time. Mm. And people are losing their minds. <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't. Exactly. I heard people saying, oh, yes, perfect. Get rid of this and put in Indiana Jones and yeah, curse. that was me. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it wouldn't fit with get the land. Get rid right? of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the Indiana Jones thing. Just get rid of this. <laughs> Chris, it would make me weep. You're trying to get rid of Tower of Terror. You're trying to get rid of all my favorite things. It's just inevitable, buddy. No. (laughs) Knock it down. Get out of here. (laughs) Just destroying all of these people's hopes and dreams. (laughs) So, like, going back to this story, though, does this schedule change really change anything for you guys? Are you being serious? I'm literally asking (laughs) you because, like, like, if you went to the park and you're like, well, now I can hit dinosaur a half hour earlier than I could before. Perfect. Or, well, the park's closing in an hour and now I can't ride dinosaur. Dang, that was going to be my closer. Like, <laughs> I know that you guys aren't... <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Yeah, like, I know that you guys aren't, like, super fans of the ride. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just weird to think of anybody who's going to be... Are you... Let me ask this question, because I feel like it should go to you. <laughs> Because you're the one who wrote it like 47 times in a day. (laughs) So how do you feel about it? Honestly, it doesn't affect my life in like (laughs) the slightest amount. Okay. That's good, Bryce. Because I have a very specific plan when I get into Animal Kingdom. Really? Yes, because I like to start my day at Animal Kingdom. Like I really, really like Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. The problem is... If I'm going in there and I want to ride the rides and really that's it, I can get in and out of there by 11, 1130, hit Epcot for lunch, and there I go. So what I'm doing is hitting the park at rope drop, right, going over immediately to Flight of Passage. Well, if that's a nine-hour wait right off the bat, going over to Safari. I like catching the Safari first thing in the morning. Animals tend to be very active, right? Go from there, go over and hit Everest. Hit Everest, go from there, hit Dinosaur, roll out. I'm hitting Dinosaur at 11, 11.30, maybe noon if it is an exceptionally busy day at Animal Kingdom. 
to be honest with you, I didn't even know Dinosaur didn't open at nine. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I didn't even I know, know that. Either. It's amazing that you have like everything planned in your head like now. Like, oh, how it's your up life there, buddy. Is, It's ridiculous. <laughs> I kind of go to Disney. I just don't know what I'm doing. Like once I pass under the arches, I still don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like I didn't even know it, it. There was like another half hour wait. I guess it's good to know now, not in case like Raylan's ever like, hey, I want to go. Exactly. Dinosaur. So now I guess it's good to know that it opens up with the park. Right. But other than that, I really don't care about it. Yeah, I don't either. And if you're crying about it, you need to get a life. (laughs) Well, and that's really why I wanted to bring it up is because, you know, it is good to know if you are unaware. Right, Mm -hmm. right. But it is not the death knell of dinosaur. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's a very small audience that reacts to this sort of stuff. The ones who are plugged in like we are to the Disney news who are really just on their on their game when it comes to movie or park news. But other than that, I feel like most people won't care. Because they won't know. Yeah, because they don't know. Like I said, I didn't even know. You know what I'm saying? I'm with you, man. I completely agree. I don't think that this would affect most people's lives, but just it's out there now. So there you go. Well, thank you. Well, thank you, Bryce. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. Ah, are you checking in tonight? Welcome home. Now, one thing that we really like to focus on here in Nocturnal Disney is Disney Springs. Disney puts a lot of effort into Disney Springs, and I really like what they do there. You know, a couple weeks ago they opened Haleo to rave reviews. It is Super expensive, but it's getting really good reviews. So that's fantastic. Mm. A couple years ago, I got very sad. I am a big fan of video games, right? About a year before this news came out was the first time that I went to Disney Quest. Have you guys ever been to Disney Quest? Mm -hmm. It's legit. It was really cool. Had you ever been there? I don't think so. Disney Quest... You paid like, I think it was 40 bucks, and you got to go inside this giant building, and it was five stories of video games. It was awesome. And they were all free. Nice. It was nice. This was after Wreck-It Ralph came out, and Mm -hmm. I was a massive fan of that movie. You went up the escalator to get inside the building. There was a whole just section of Fix-It Felix Jr. I was like, this is, I'm home. I found it. (laughs) (laughs) They had bumper cars that you could shoot balls out of, and if you hit them, and if you hit the other bumper cars in the target, it would spin them out. Mm -hmm. It was a really cool place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Year later, it shut down. Yeah, only lasted a year. Well, from the first time that I went there, Uh it had been there for a while. And to be fair, gotcha. It was pretty run down. Like it was, it was pretty rough. It needed some upkeep. So they decided to close it, and I was like, well, I wonder what they're going to put in there now. They decided to put in a basketball experience. That's your favorite thing. Oh, it is my favorite thing. (laughs) I am a short, fat, white man (laughs) who's terrible at basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know someone like my brother is going to love this. Yeah. Right? Because he's a tall black guy. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's 44,000 square feet of just basketball experiences. 
That's really cool. I mean, to be fair, as much as I'm not a huge fan of basketball, like even I can appreciate that. Like, I know that you like basketball, Jamie. Like, what do you think about that? Just this huge place that you can have 13 different hands-on experiences of basketball. Are you playing basketball or? Yeah. Like, so they'll have like slam dunk competitions where you can adjust the rim and just bam, slam it home and stuff like that. They'll have strobe lights like they're. Like That's people cool. are taking pictures of you? Mm-hmm. Sounds fun. I just feel like it's just going to be like Steve and Micah are going to just live there every time <laughs> we go to Disney. Like that's just going to be their place. Bounce between there and ESPN Studios. See, I'm in the yeah. same boat as you. I'm a moderately sized Hispanic guy that <laughs> doesn't throw balls. I just kick them. Right. So like, I mean, I would have liked to see like an NFL one. You know, like if I'm gonna be nitpicky, I would rather like if I had a pick, I'm much more of a of an NFL football more type of person. Right. So like if I had to like pick what I would rather have there, it would definitely be that. But it's like the idea behind it sounds like it's fun. Like you're gonna have kind of like a like a food and a show at the same time while watching the game. Like if you're a fan of the NBA, this is gonna be the place to be. Oh, absolutely, it is. And what's cool is. They're going to track your scores through these 13 different events, and they're going to kind of like not pit you against like real life players. That's not the right word, but they're going to compare and contrast your stats. Right. That's kind of cool. <laughs> and like in real time, like the way it was described was really interesting. And I think I would do it once, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it would be fun to take my dad and Mike up there and just go and do that for a day. And, See what it's about. Yeah. yeah. It's a good way to humble people. Exactly. <laughs> hey, do you ever need to feel really bad about yourself? <laughs> Go here. I feel like it's just for those athletes that are just like, you know, they're the ones that play every Sunday and they just take it way too seriously and they're just like, I'm great. <laughs> well, come over here and we'll see. <laughs> Test it. The reason I'm bringing this up is because on April 12th, this place is finally opening. They've been talking about this for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. And so for it to finally be opening, it blows me away because I didn't even know there was like work being done on it or anything like that, you know? Right. I thought it was just kind of sitting there. When stars are born, they possess a gift or two. One of them is this. They have the power to make a wish come true. Man, what a great trip. Let's relive it, huh? So, another week, another couple of reviews. It's my favorite thing to do is defer this question. Jamie, tonight we are going to be talking about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh and the co-op in Disney Springs. Which one do you want to talk about first? I'm going to talk about the one that I know brings you the most joy because I love you. That's very sweet. You don't have to worry about that, though. No, you don't. (laughs) I don't, but I'm kind. So Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Huzzah. Okay. I feel like you kind of buried my lead on it. (laughs) But that's okay. I love Winnie the Pooh. It makes me so happy. Mm -hmm. I think of it, and it brings me joy. Like, I'm thinking about it right now, and I can't stop smiling. Matter of fact, the more I think about it, the bigger my smile is getting. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it right now. <laughs> I do. I love the Pooh Bear character. 
You really do. Yeah, and it makes me so happy that he's got a ride in the parks. Mm-hmm. And especially where it is. Because this ride is in Fantasyland, over by the teacups and in between that and the Friar's Nook, right? Mr. Toad's Wild Ride used to be there. And I know that a lot of people love Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. But I also know that I rode it when I was a kid, and it scared the ever-loving crap out of me. Oh, really? Yeah, and I don't remember why. I just remember being terrified of that ride. (laughs) So what are your guys' thoughts on it now that I've gotten all of mine out of the way? (laughs) (laughs) Like the background I got out of the way, but what are your guys' thoughts on it? Well, I was going to say my thought is I'm happy. I've only experienced it with you. Right. I never did it before you. Oh, no? No. So what did you think? Doing it with you made it so much more special because (laughs) I could have gone on that and been like, okay, I did watch that when I was growing up. So it does have sentimentality to me, but not as much connection as it did when when I was walking through with you because you would highlight the pictures and they have uh, things you could do when you're in the queue with uh, covering, uh, uncovering things with honey, like the honey was on the walls. Yeah. You could play with that, and it uh, shows a picture or has the words or something like that, I think. Yeah, you can rub a giant screen, mm-hmm. and it moves honey out of the way, and as you do it, you'll find different characters hidden in the honey. Right? You'll rub here, and you'll get nothing, but then you move over to the left, but then you move over to the left a little bit, rub again, and there's Tigger. Mm-hmm. Or there's Piglet or somebody like that, and you're like, Yes. I will say, it's really difficult for me to do that because it is just riddled with germs. (laughs) And it freaks me out just a little bit. I'll be honest with you on that one. Bring your gloves in the weight line. (laughs) All right, time to put the gloves on. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just, I've seen little kids like three, four years old. Just take a big lick of their hand and go, <laughs> and just smack <laughs> the, the the screen. <laughs> it's really upsetting. <laughs> what about you, Chris, man? Like, what are your like initial thoughts of the ride? I like Winnie the Pooh uh-huh. as a franchise. The yeah. ride itself is like, I don't know. Every time I ride it, it feels like, okay, the only thing I can kind of compare this ride to is kind of like the cat in the hat. I don't know yeah, if you, that's about in Universal, right? Yeah. The difference I compare with both of them is like, I feel like the audio is a little off with Winnie the Pooh. Like, it feels like it's way too chaotic. Like, it's hard to kind of grab onto anything. Now, I know there's like a tornado at the very beginning and stuff like that. Right. At certain points, I'm not getting like the audio that I would like to get. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know that what it's before you is telling the story. Yeah. You know, like you're riding through the, you know, obviously the ride itself tells you the story. But as far as the audio, like sometimes I feel like it's a little off sometimes or it's just way too chaotic at times where I can't catch what is really necessarily going on. Mm -hmm. But I do enjoy the ride. Like the Tigger part, it's cool when you're hopping Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, The Heffalumps and Woozles, like I love that little part. It is such a cool scene. It is. um, You know. But, I mean, like I said, if I had to compare it, the only thing I can compare it to is, like, the cat in the hat. And I feel like the cat in the hat does a much better job than what Winnie the Pooh is doing and what it's going for. Because they're both books. You're both going through these scenes. I feel like the cat in the hat does a much better job of immersing you into the world 
than Winnie the Pooh, but I do like Winnie the Pooh. You know, it's I don't like it obviously as much as you, but I agree with you. If you're making that comparison, that is a very apt and very accurate uh, comparison to the Cat in the Hat, because yes, I, like I just I feel like the Cat in the Hat is just a newer ride, and I do feel like some parts of Winnie the Pooh just need a little bit of love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I do think that the audio needs to be updated a little bit. I do think that the heffalumps and woozles part, as cool as it is, mm-hmm. it is painfully obvious that it's just a cardboard cutout. See, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think the ride is bad as an idea or what it is. Right. I just would like to see more updates on it. Like, I feel like it You're should right. be updated a little more, mm-hmm. maybe modern it up a little bit, do some play with little different ideas, but the ride is fun. Like, it is fun. Exactly. I don't leave the ride going, I hate this crap. No, it is it is fun. I just feel like, again, I rode Cat in the Hat way before I rode Winnie the Pooh. Right. You know, so, so it... When I'm going through, and the thing is with the cat in a hat, me and Ray Lynn would like literally go on and off and on and off. <laughs> I love that ride. Me too. So when I'm comparing both of them, because like once again, they're both stories and they're both kind of trying to give you the same feel. Mm-hmm. Winnie the Pooh just kind of falls short a little bit of being like, yes, like this is great. You know what I'm saying? 100% agree with you, man. 100% agree with you. I love Winnie the Pooh, the franchise. And so- Honestly, I do view the ride through a little bit of just like rose-colored glasses. A little because, nostalgic for you. Yeah, I really enjoy it, and I love, I love everything about it, man. Like getting to walk through Pooh's house into the into the line, mm-hmm. getting to knock on Piglet's door, mm-hmm. getting to look at Rabbit's garden. Like that's all fun for me. Like I I enjoy all that stuff. I will say the wait line on it is usually forever like mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's 40 very minutes long. plus mm-hmm. that's really difficult for me to hit yeah that from like like that ride for me 20 25 minutes maybe 30 minutes it's one of those rides that yeah. you need a fast pass to get on it and you don't want to waste one of your fast passes for it being in magic kingdom it, that's just the honest truth in yeah. my opinion you know yep well yeah i mean when you have something like space mountain yeah you have something like seven doors mine train mm-hmm. even something like buzz Lightyear space ranger spin because it's interactive it's a shooting game it gives you a score it's just a little more to it. I would honestly pick Winnie the Pooh over that. Would you? I would, yeah. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you were telling me a little bit about the line, Jamie. Like, tell me about the ride. Like, what do you think of the ride itself? Like, once you get into the honey pot, mm-hmm. which, first of all, it's an adorable cart. Right. Like, I really <laughs> like it. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I cannot remember the ride at all. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. All I remember is the the wait line. Wow. Oh, okay then. Well, I can't remember the ride at all. That does not bode well for a uh, <laughs> a good rating. <laughs> it is incredibly forgettable. It, it, really it is, is really funny. The first time I ever rode the ride was when me and Raylan were dating, and it was my first time back in Disney World, like since I was like you know ten or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it broke down right at Tigger. Oh no. Uh, yeah. And 
he didn't stop. He just kept on. <laughs> and the whole ride stopped. It shut down. The lights came on. And we were with, there with Brandon and uh-huh. uh, Angie. And these little kids started crying. And Brandon's like, suck it up. <laughs> like, so that was my first experience with it. My second time I went on it, that's when I started noticing the audio. And it kind of just like, don't break down. Oh, and yeah. it didn't. It didn't, you know. But... Again, it, it's. It, I know what they're going for, and I feel like it could be much better. And what it is isn't bad, but I also agree with Jamie. Like there are parts of it right now I'm thinking about. Like I don't remember certain areas of it. I do remember other parts of it. Like the house is memorable because it's really cool mm-hmm. how they're taking the house and it's breaking down. Right. The Tigger is one that you you know it's hard to forget, which is really cool because you because your cart starts bouncing. I once again I love that. I don't even remember yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, it starts going like up and down some hills. I think that is really cool. Yeah. Huh. My favorite part of the ride actually comes right after the Tigger part. And you hear over the audio, half a lumps and woozles. And you see Pooh Bear sitting down and like he's asleep, right, with his court gun. Mm-hmm. And then you see Pooh Bear just start to kind of float up and levitate. And then it turns solid, and now it's a different poo, and now you're in the dreams of the heffalumps and woozles. I think that transition is so well done yeah. that it is a little upsetting when you go into the heffalumps and woozles room, and it's all cardboard cutouts, and it, done with mirrors and smoke blasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like It's like, come on, you just separated one character into two in front of me. All right. You just pulled off a great magic trick and illusion, and now you give me a high school play. <laughs> Th- that does irk me just a little bit. I will say, though, that that song is so stinking catchy that mm, gets me through it. <laughs> <laughs> and the way the ride ends with Pooh in the tree, I know it's an animatronic, and I know it's a robot, but he is just so stinking happy. I defy you to look at him just stuffing his face with honey and not smile. <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah, that's true. It's a happy ride, that's for sure. And that's the thing. It It is just a happy ride. If you're a kid, you're going to love this ride, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone our age, it's, you know, it's a hit or miss depending on the person, you know? Right. Um, mm-hmm. But for kids, they would love this ride, you know? Absolutely. That being said, Chris, what do you star rate it? I'm going to give it a solid three. I think yeah. it's right there in the middle, like I said, and there is room for improvement. So, like, if, if anything, I would like to give it a 3.5, but, I mean, I just feel like, like once again, the audio needs to work itself out a little bit. I feel like some of the settings that needs to be worked on, you know, when, when you're competing with your competitor and they throw out something like, you know, uh, the cat in the hat, you know, you got to answer back. Absolutely you do. You're absolutely right. True that. <laughs> Good reply. <laughs> Jamie, what do you star rate this ride at? A two. Not a huge fan, huh? No. It only got a two because I like the weight line. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Oh, one thing I did want to mention in this, and I just think it's fun. Like I said, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride did used to take up that spot in Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Well, when we're going through Owl's house, right, it's all blown over and knocked down. If you look to the left, right as you go through the doors into the room, there's a picture hanging on the wall of Mr. Toad and Owl kind of like 
shaking hands and they got their arms around each other. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Toad is handing over to Owl the deed. It says deed. So it's like, man, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Aww. Nice little story behind it. Yeah. That's and then cute. and that's actually why he has a tombstone over at the haunted mansion. Mm. It's because he used to be there and now he's not. <laughs> yep. I like how they tie everything together like that. Nothing whatsoever. For me personally, I give this ride a three and a quarter. I really like the ride, but I know that it's a nostalgia thing. Mm-hmm. I know that it's looking at it through rose-colored glasses. I know that the ride is okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it just because I like it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Moving on, guys, to Disney Springs. We're going to talk about the co-op. Chris, tell me, man, what do you think about the co-op? I love the I love the store, dude. I love it. I love the layout of it. Mm-hmm. I like how you can literally go there and kind of get everything. Exactly. If you were to tell me to compare this to the new Disney store, I would prefer the this store over the big Disney store that they have over there in Disney. The World Springs. of Disney? Yeah. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. And because it feels like it's a lot more adult meant too. Like there's lots of really cool uh, stuff for guys to wear that, uh, you know, you go in this guy section, they have like really cool shirts, you know, that are more, a little bit more upgraded, you know, your collared shirts, your button ups, but you know, they're done really nicely. You got your kitchen wearing, like if, you know, you're really into decorating your kitchen or anything like that or your house. You know, and then they have for girls, the girl section, the dresses and stuff like that, which, you know, I know it's not for every girl, but I mean, the idea behind it where you can't dress as a character, but you can wear a dress that you can express, hey, this is my favorite character or whatever. Right. It's a cool premise. And then the art section is just ridiculous. I love it. I do love the art section. Jamie, what do you think about the co-op? I like my, uh, that's not what I want to say. My favorite section. (laughs) is uh, right when you walk in, depending on, I guess, what side you come in, but come in where you smell, go wherever the smell is, and it's a fragrant <laughs> fragrant smell. It's the uh, diffusers. They have like four or five of them going off at once, and I collect those uh, scents. A lot of them are the Disney-based uh, resorts. They have those scents. They are absolutely great. They smell so good. They come They come in scents. They come in candles. Um Wax melts. Yeah, I was going to say there's something else. Wax melts. So you can get a variety there. And it's actually, it's in the middle of that uh, the middle aisle, so not to the side. So you can get that and then hit up some of the other different uh, stores right there too. Yeah, that place, man, I got to tell you, I really like the co-op. It's just such a cool and interesting premise mm-hmm. because when you go in there, You go in, it's right next to D-Trends. So you're looking at this place, and within this one room, there are literally like six or seven stores. Because you have the four in the corner. Yeah, there's seven. You have the four in the corner. You have the art store. You have the scent shop that's like right in the middle. And I say scent shop, it's essentially like a scent bookshelf. But they sell their stuff there. And what's cool is, too, you can make your own scent there. Right, right. And then they also have a pop-up card shop. Now, I just kind of want to touch on that real quick because I read that this thing was opening in Mm -hmm. Disney Springs. Yeah. And I was like, get the heck out of here. 
there is no way that a card shop will sell enough cards to have a storefront in Disney Springs. Not only that, but have the cards be so niche and so particular to be pop-up cards. I was like, that is never going to work. Well, essentially, it's another one of those book cut bookcases in the center of the co-op and that's perfect for what this should be now my favorite area in the co-op is the kitchen area because mm-hmm. i like i said i am a short fat white man and you do not become a short fat white man by not cooking mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying <laughs> i spend a lot of time in the kitchen i really like the kitchen and so when you go in there i'm like man I can combine my love of cooking and my love of Disney at the same time. What's not to like about that? Yeah. If you're a big Disney fan, I mean, I feel like that's your dream place, right? I mean, there's so much from silverware to teapots to, you know, actual mugs and cups and glasses and wine glasses and everything you can think of, napkins, all of that is there with your Disney theming. And Mm -hmm. again, it's not for everyone because, you know, everyone has a certain style for the house. But if you're a Disney fan and you're like, I want to feel like I'm in Disney every time I step into my house, this is your, like, literally your dream. Exactly. Exactly. It is so cool to be in there. Like, I know, Jamie, I know that you love to travel. Mm -hmm. Like, how did you feel looking at the luggage? Like, that's got to be pretty cool for you to be able to go in there and be like, all right. It was cool. Um, I was more interested in decorating the house. Oh, well, then there you go. <laughs> <laughs> because now that's my being married, somewhat newly married. I have my own place now, too. And so I'm like, I could decorate. And then that place has just endless amounts of things you can decorate with. And uh, like you and I, we, like I think Chris was just saying, walk into your house it's a disney house that's how i feel about our place so you walk in there and like you're we've already set up the living room to have beating the beast as the throw uh throw blanket on the couch the rose and then we also have done our middle living room table with the uh, rose from beating the beast the clock and uh, the candlestick yeah so we got all of that in the middle council so it's it's very beating the beast-esque Oh, yeah, man. When you do it, you got to do it up proper. Yeah. (laughs) They have a phone case section where you can make your own custom phone cases as well. Yeah. But one of the cooler areas is the art shop. Yeah. I think that is really cool. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. They started putting these out right when the movie Big Eyes was coming out from Tim Burton. They started making Big Eye versions of the Disney princesses and some of the Disney villains, and some of them are creepy, and I love it. Yeah. Of course you would. The Alice in Wonderland one. Yes. The Alice in Wonderland one is so cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I I really like that shop. Chris, I know that you had mentioned the artwork. What do you think? Like, Is it big enough for you? Like, Did you want it to be bigger? No, not really. I mean, because I mean, we'll, I'm sure one day we'll review the art of Disney Store, but- I mean, for in this place, it's it's really cool because the artwork, some of them that are themed after the rides are just so cool. You had like Splash Mountain and you had the Pirates of the Caribbean big old uh, canvas that they had. And it's like framed. It looks so cool. I think they had like the uh, Polynesian 
kind of resort yeah artwork yeah, they that they had there it's it's just really cool i love that art section and i look around and everything that i want is really expensive yeah it is it <laughs> to is. get one that's like a decent size to be like this is gonna look good in my room for the size you're gonna be spending a lot of coin mm. oh yeah um but what I do appreciate, though, too, though, like you can kind of leave there still with a feel of it because they have glasses that they'll have, you know, like water glasses just and you can they'll have the print of whatever the artwork is on there. And to me, that is far more dangerous than something like a massive print that you would hang on your wall, because I've already discussed this with you and you, Jamie. I have a problem when it comes to Disney mugs. Mm -hmm. I love them all and I want them all and I can't own them all because I have a very limited number of cabinets. (laughs) (laughs) Running out of space. Do not quelch my love for this, Jamie. Space is not there. (laughs) All right, so we've talked about it. So someone goes into Disney Springs and like, hey, should I go to the co-op? Like, what would you, what would be your recommendation? Like, you absolutely have to go to the co-op. You have to go there. Or, eh, if you hit it, you hit it. Or don't go there at all. Um, I would say go there. I would say even go there over the big Disney store. I keep forgetting what was the name of it. The, uh, the World of Disney. The World of Disney. I feel like you can kind of skip the World of Disney and get the stuff in the in this place because, to me, the the quality is a little better in this place as opposed to the big Disney store, so... I would 100% say if you're going to go to Disney, check this place out. And in comparison to the world of Disney, world of Disney is just bananas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is so busy. It is so chaotic. And, it is so hectic. I sure. think to be fair too, though, like we got to realize that the world of Disney too is much more kid friendly. It's You could definitely tell this is just a store built for parents to die. <laughs> um, <laughs> as opposed to this place, you can go in there and it's not, you don't see many kids because there's really nothing for kids there, you know? Right. So like if you're an older person, just an adult, you're going to have a much better time in this place because like I said, they got anything from clothes to artwork to they have stuff for animals like your dogs and stuff mm-hmm. like that yes they do so i mean they have something there for one of your interests at least you know exactly what about you jamie i think that they have like you said my point was it's something for everybody so you can't i don't i think it's a can't be missed uh point of attraction a store in disney springs because you're probably going to find something to take home with you if you're trying to get a souvenir i'm right there with you i say go to this place just going in there, like, I can't smell anything. Like, I have a broken nose and allergies. So if I sound a little nasally, that'd be why. But it does make it difficult for me to smell things, right? <laughs> so when I go in there, I do get a little whiff of something just because of how many diffusers they got going off. Mm-hmm. But I really like that spot, man. I really like the co-op. Even if I just go in there, do a quick run through, I have to go in there almost every time I'm in Disney Springs. Yeah, because I mean, oh, they, yeah. there's always new stuff recycling in and out of there. So it's always good to just walk by and just see if there's anything new, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's the end for this week, anyway. We wanted to thank you all for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and SoundCloud. You can also find us on DigiFox Studios' new network, the Fox Playbox. 
Just type in foxplaybox.com and you can find all the shows on our network. If you would be so kind as to like, favorite, and subscribe, like I said at the beginning of the show, I would greatly appreciate it. It does help us get up through the ranks so more people can find our show. So guys, from the very bottoms of our hearts, thank you for listening to Nocturnal Disney Podcast. Bye-bye.